Bond yields are reaching new multi-year highs ahead of Jerome Powell's talk at the Economics Club of New York tomorrow morning. So just why are yields going quite so high? No surprise why oil is higher today as tensions mount further in the Middle East. And closer to home, how was Michelle Bullock's fireside chat yesterday? Are things getting hotter at the RBA? And will today's employment numbers add more fuel to that fire? It's Thursday, the 19th of October, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, bond yields pushing higher again, another seven basis points on 10-year treasuries, up to 4.9%. They got up to 4.93% during the session, so 5% sometime soon. Doesn't seem out of the question, does it? UK 10-year gilt yields are up 15 basis points, up to 4.65%. Aussie 10-year yields up 10 basis points yesterday, up to 4.65%. Then add another six or seven basis points on futures overnight on top of that. And shares are down in the US at close, 1.6% off the NASDAQ, point. 3% off the S&P 500, 1% down for the Dow in Europe, 1.1% off the FTSE 100 and the Eurostoxx 50 at close. Oil prices are up, 1.7% added to Brent, around 91.50 a barrel now, 1.9% up for WTI. The US dollar is up 0.3%, the Aussie dollar is down 0.4% to 63.4 US cents. The euro also down 0.4%, about the same for the pound as well. And NAB's Ray Atrell joins me today in Sydney. So, yeah, more movement up in, uh, in in yields. What is the real driving force for these yields? Is it is it purely central bank expectations? Is it because we've, we've been seeing quite a lot of bond issuance in the United States lately? We've also got QT. Uh, you can't say all of the above. You can only pick two. What is it that's the real driving force here? I'm going to pick one today. Morning, okay, Phil. good. Oil. Okay, I think that, that wasn't the, that wasn't that wasn't an option. But okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> there was another box. There was another box in that questionnaire, right. wasn't there? Okay, but, uh, sure. Um, anyway, that would be you know just trying to. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, moving parts to, to markets and, and a lot of movement uh, across whether it's equities, currencies, or bonds. But um, if we're trying to distill it down to uh, to sound bites, which I guess is part of our job, mm. you know, certainly another um, what is it? Is it um, two dollars or so on the oil price? I think, and uh, and I've seen that the Iranian foreign minister has been out calling for a full and immediate boycott of Israel by Muslim countries. Um, you know, obviously, we've had the um, Joe Biden, you know, declaring that as, as far as um, as they're concerned, they're taking uh, Israel at its word that this uh, that the uh, atrocity in the um, the Gaza hospital was uh, was not of Israel's making, etc. But um, certainly, tensions have, have, have are clearly even further inflamed, if that's possible. And um, you know, it's certainly showing up in, in oil prices. Um, yeah, although not, I mean, you, oil up what one, but less than two percent uh, at this mm-hmm. stage. So, I mean, it's not. Sorry, you know, I, I meant I meant two percent, not two dollars anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, um, no, absolutely. But I mean, certainly, it's it's a. Considering it's it's a risk off day, so mm. look at uh, look at equities; they're, they're down a lot, um, and yet um, and yet we've got bond yields higher. Now, the other thing probably to mention is that markets were anticipating um, a potentially poorly received twenty-year bond auction, and as it turns out, um, that's actually come a little better than expected. It, it's cleared about uh, over a basis point lower than where the 20-year bond was trading in the market prior to the auction. So we have actually seen something of a reversal. We do have generally a steeper curve, certainly out to 10 years on the day, um, you know, yields up sort of three to five basis points higher. But um, but they're back a fair bit from from the lows. So that uh, 20-year bond was trading at uh, just above 525 prior to, or closer to 526 prior to the auction. The last I looked, 
it was down about 5.20. So we have seen a little bit of a reversal there. And not coincidentally, I'd suggest the dollar is off its peaks and uh, and equities had uh, certainly pulled back off their lows in the sort of half an hour after the auction. But um, yeah. that's and- more a description of price action than, than what the, the causes were. But uh, I think the bond market is still kind of front and centre at the moment as far as the currency and equity markets are And concerned. mortgage rates shooting up now. I mean, uh, 7.7% according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. MSNBC is quoting the uh, US Mortgage Daily News Index, which is uh, has got it at 8%, whichever way it's the highest since July 2000. Uh, and yet housing starts are up. Building permits didn't fall as much as expected, but presumably we're going to see the consequences of that because we get existing home sales for the US Later on today, who's going to put their house on the market when they know they've got to get another mortgage at 7.7 or 8%? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is the issue, isn't it? Which is why, you know, starts are doing better. Though even there, you know, given that, uh, you know, buying a new house with a, with a mortgage at, uh, at the new 30-year rate is not particularly appealing either, is it? But uh, there's been a huge amount of month-to-month volatility in housing starts. But as you say, I think it's the existing home sales that, that shows up the the reluctance or, um, of people to, to consider moving house if they've then got to hand in their uh, their 30-year mortgage with, what, a 2% in front of it and swap it for something with a 7 handle. Yeah, well, that would certainly take a bit of money out of your pocket. But generally, I mean, we've, you know, we've talked about how the US is holding out. We've got the Beige Book uh, out this morning, though, saying little change uh, in economic activity since the September report. The near-term outlook might be slightly weaker growth. Uh, prices continue to increase at a modest pace overall, particularly for the services sector. Uh, and uh, now companies are less able to pass on those increases, it says. So they're feeling that feeling that in their margins, which is not good for those companies, but obviously good for keeping inflation down. I mean, there's nothing too surprising there, except for the fact that, you know, nothing is moving in a radical fashion in mm-hmm. either direction, is it? That's right. No, I'd suggest that the beige book is particularly beige this month. And <laughs> I don't think it really informs us um, about what the Fed is minded to do, although there's quite a few Fed speakers overnight and uh, a rather important one tonight. We can yes. touch on in a second. But uh, I mean, the other thing we do know is that labour market tightness continued to ease across the nation. So I think that was of, uh, of some note as well. So um, I think it all sort of militates to a you know, wait-and-see approach as far as the Fed is concerned. But yeah. uh, let's see what uh, Mr well, Powell has to say. Yeah, well, so on that, because that morning. is early, yeah, early tomorrow morning he's going to be talking. So is some of the increase that we've been seeing in bond yields, is it down to the anticipation of what he's going to say? Because we have had some people from the Fed who've been fairly hawkish, there's some wait-and-sees, but is he going to be just mirroring no, that, that I, hawkishness, I yeah. do you think? No, I think I'll take the other side of the argument about hawkish Fed members talking hawkishly. And uh, we've had uh, John Williams, uh, one of, the, I'd say, the big heavy hitters at the FMC, going saying saying only that we're going to stick at it to make sure that we really achieve the goal of two percent on a sustained basis. Um, um, he's also said he's not yet convinced that the neutral rate is higher. But um, you know, his his comments I think are more consistent with wait and see. Fed Governor Waller, who's also been an erstwhile hawk said, I believe we can wait, watch and see how the economy involves before making definitive moves on the path of the policy rate. And um, and Fed Governor Bowman, who a couple of weeks ago was, was pressing the case for potentially at least two more rate rises, um, saying that you know, inflation has come down, but still too high, etc., but made no specific comments on the Fed's uh, next steps. So um, I'm expecting that... Uh, 
Governor Powell will be giving a sort of a, we can afford to, to sit on our hands a little bit longer. So um, in answer to your question, whether anticipation of Powell is the reason for high yields. Well, obviously not. But does that mean then that we're going to see yields come down after he's spoken then? But, uh, well, to the extent that yields haven't gone up because they're anticipating a Powell speech, then they shouldn't be going down if if, if they don't get one, I suppose. Yeah, but, I guess uh, so. I follow that. Uh, but let's see. But it is to the Economics Club of New York, which is usually a pretty keynote one. So all the, the great and the good of the, uh, the Wall Street investment houses will be there. So it'll be a fairly high-level macro um, mm. discussion for sure with um, probably some very pointed questions, I would suggest, from... Uh, Wall Street economists. Well, I tell you what, the RBA has been more hawkish then, haven't they? Uh, we talked about the hawkish minutes uh, from the RBA yesterday uh, with its lower tolerance for a slower return to the inflation, getting inflation back to target. Since then, Michelle Bullock has given her fireside chat. So uh, what did she have to say? Well, I think she's continued in the theme of, of, of a sort of a, a hawkish tilt. Is that the way to describe it? We had comments from Chris Kent, the uh, assistant governor last week that we certainly interpreted that way um and obviously there were some uh, specific sentences in the minutes of the october uh, rba meeting published earlier in the week that were in the same vein and then i think the sort of killer sentence if you like from uh, from michelle uh, last night was that there's a few things that are suggestive that it's going to be difficult to get inflation down and services inflation, inflation in things like takeaways, hairdressers, restaurants, those sorts of things, that inflation is running a, a bit above 4%. So it's above our target and it's pretty sticky. And that's what we're observing overseas as well. So, um, you know, I think that is, um, you know, I would say it's a clear statement of intent as to what the RBA might be minded to do. But I think it does sort of, you know, plays to the view that if we do see an upside surprise uh, relative to the RBA's own forecast in next week's Q3 CPI forecast, which, you know, you've been talking about with, with Tapas and others, and that's what we do expect, then I think that might well seal the deal um, as far as the RBA you know, lifting rates out of the November meeting. Yeah. So the RBA annual report is out today as well. I'm not really quite sure if there's uh, much in there. I mean, you can have a dip in and have a look and see how much Philip Lowe got paid last year. Five times as much as Michelle Bullock in the, the report the previous year, just as an aside. Uh, but uh, what about uh, if, if we're saying that bonds aren't being driven by the data right now, it's more to do with oil. Well, UK CPI, I mean, that has to be part of why UK gilt yields are up so much. They're up 15 basis points. And yet... The inflation, just arguing against myself here, the inflation number, the core CPI, uh, was uh, down on last time, but not by much, from 6.2% year-on-year to 6.1%. Uh, One-tenth of a percentage higher than expected as well. But that is quite a response. So obviously a, a chunk of that response in yields is also the the oil story and the international concern around it. Well, I think so. It's probably feeding off the, uh, the, the rise that we've seen in the US market. But yes, there was a little bit of reaction. The only thing probably I'd note is that, um, yes, the numbers have come in a tenth above expectations on both the headline and the core, as you say. But um, that, those numbers are actually a little bit below the Bank of England's August monetary policy report forecasts, uh, I think by 0.2 on the headline and 0.1 on the core. So, you know, in that sense, um, you know, I don't think this is new information for the Bank of England that would be, you know, sending any alarm bells um, racing um, in, in the portals of Threadneedle Street as far as the risks of a of a, a resumption of, of, of tightening after that decision to pause um, earlier this month. And China's growth for Q3 was higher than expected, 4.9% uh, year on year. Um, 
I mean, there, there's some base effects going on there, aren't there? But so maybe it's better to look Q on Q, which is 1.3 percent, which is well up on half a percent for for Q2. So. Where is that growth coming from? But uh, well, mostly coming from consumption. That's the number. I mean, I have to say that um, you know, one point three percent quarterly growth up from zero point five percent in Q two has raised a few eyebrows as to whether we we really did see that much of an acceleration coming through. Um, as you say, the, the year on year numbers are actually down on Q two, but Q two this year, you know, benefited from the very low base effect from uh, from Q two last year at least. But um, you know, but certainly retail sales was the standout in the monthly. September numbers jumping to five and a half percent from four point six percent, well above the four point nine con- um, consensus. So uh, it really is very much a sort of consumption-driven um, thing, which is you know which is a good thing. Um, certainly suggests that uh, activity was a little stronger than maybe some of the anecdotal evidence suggested during the uh, the holiday period. Fixed asset investment though remains relatively subdued, and you know in terms of feedback to Australia and, and demand for commodities etc. That wasn't uh, that wasn't a particularly bright spot at least but but industrial production was picking up and uh, amid some evidence that sort of uh, demand for for exports and in, in, in the rest of the world from china has improved so overall i think the the numbers that are consistent with china achieving its 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 5% growth target uh, for this year, and uh, and the, the message wasn't lost on the Australian dollars. I think the combination of, of of those numbers and that sort of more hawkish rhetoric that's coming out of the RBA and repricing, you know, certainly lifted the Aussie dollar. But as we've seen overnight, it's been a another case of sort of up the stairs and down the elevator with with broad dollar strength and risk off markets taking us back closer to sixty three cents. Well, the big number today, obviously, is Australia's September labour market data. So, just how tight is the labour market and is it inflationary? But, uh, well, it, uh, whether or not we're seeing some, some easing in the labour market, there's you know perhaps some very tentative signs. But uh, we're looking for a thirty thousand rise in uh, employment in September. That's about ten thousand above the uh, the Bloomberg market consensus, at least. Um, so you know, but the unemployment rate we think will be sort of stable at three point seven percent, with the participation rate also unchanged at around 67%. Those are in line with market consensus. Now, the um, the RBA's August um, statement on monetary policy had the unemployment rate averaging 3.9% in Q4. So these numbers are only for September, remember. So if we had an unemployment rate of, of, of 3.7 or, or a little bit higher, I think the RBA would consider that to be consistent with their forecasts. But um, you know, if we get uh, if we get numbers that are stronger than that, and, and, and let's say the unemployment rate dips down, then you know, I think it would put the risks firmly on the side of a sort of tighter for longer labour market relative to the RBA's uh, last forecast. So, uh, you know, at the margin, again, I think it would be supportive of the idea that if the labour market isn't uh, loosening up quite as quickly as the RBA thought, that also uh, falls on the side of the ledger that um, that militates in favour of further rate hikes. Well, on the US, their labour market, we get the initial jobless claims uh, tonight, uh, not moving in any great fashion, it seems, from week to week. And uh, the Philly Fed Manufacturing Index as well tonight. Yeah, all relatively uh, relatively second-tier data, I would say. Obviously, that low level of claims continues to point to the ongoing 
uh, resilience of the labour market. Sure does, doesn't it? Well, that'll do for now. Good to talk, Ray. We'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Well, done. thanks, Phil. And just very quickly before we go, Netflix have done well in their third quarter results, announced just after the US closed this morning, adding 8.8 million subscribers. After their clampdown on password sharing, people still wanted it. 8.5 mil- billion revenue uh, is roughly in line with expectations. Profits rose 20%, and they're going to push their prices up higher. So more to come. Whereas Tesla, well, they've been cutting their prices. They saw revenue in the third quarter up 9% to $23.35 billion, uh, which is a bit below analyst estimates of $24.1 billion, and slimmer margins, 17.9% for the quarter, compared to 25.1% a year ago. That's it for the morning call for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.